spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system. Hello and welcome to the 119th annual Subliminal Deception Podcast, your weekly dose of conspiracy theory. Bullshit, my name is Cody, and I'm joined by my pal Phil. How are you? Doing good, buddy. How about yourself? Not doing too bad. It's uh, been quite a toasty weekend here. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't think we're getting the heat dome or whatever the hell they call it, but it's uh, for Minnesota, it's been pretty hot. How's it been for you? Uh, it's actually been very rainy. It rained about every single day for the past eight days. Really? So today today was the first day without rain, and the sun came out, so that was nice. And it only got up to about 95. So it, it was kind of a cooler day for us, too. I actually did hear that you guys were going to get a heat dome next week, though. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. Yep. Minneapolis is going to be on the eastern edge of that heat dome. It's going to mostly fuck up uh, western Minnesota, western Iowa, and... Maybe like the Dakotas, so they're gonna get okay. hit. Well, uh, I don't think anybody here's looking forward to that. But uh, but yeah, it was uh, like I mentioned last week. It was kind of like li- really cloudy and smoky from the yes. fires, but it was like super humid. Uh, mm. We're we're right in the humid uh, time. So over the weekend, being that I am now uh, an old man. I decided to pay, spend the weekend painting the inside of my garage, right? Yeah. And <laughs> I'd have to. I did it really late at night or really early in the morning because it was too humid. Because I'd be in there painting, and then all of a sudden I'd be drenched in sweat, and I'm like, "All right, I, all right, I, I think I'm done for now." Yeah, we had a well. So basically, I had a rainy day weekend sort of situation. I watched a lot of movies. I cleaned up around the house. Just kind of, you know, had some uh, had some introverted time. It was nice. Hell didn't, yeah. Uh, no one expected me to go outside, and I didn't. So it was great. <laughs> All right, Phil, tell me about uh, this news from college football. I'm, I'm interested to hear it. All right. Well, I mean, it, if you're not a big college football fan, then, you know, just kind of hang on. We're going to get past it in a little bit. But there has been some big news. Uh, I love college football, so I kind of want to talk about it. Basically, Texas and Oklahoma are ditching the Big 12 in the next maybe five years, possibly two years. And it's going to basically shake up the entire landscape of all of the conferences. And kind of a big deal is, oh, there's uh, rumors out there, you know, the Big 10, which, you know, Iowa, Minnesota is in. They might actually try to poach some teams from either the ACC or the Pac-12 or even Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State might try to jump ship also, try to get out of the Big Ten. So there's a lot of rumors going on. I just wondered if you had heard about any of it. Okay, the Texas and Oklahoma thing, I certainly did hear. I read about it on a uh, Reddit forum or something, but as far as the Big Ten, I I didn't hear any of that. Where were them two planning to ongoing? SEC, Southeastern Conference. Oh, my God. Why? With the powerhouses. The the money. It's oh, the money. Oh, of course. Yeah. 
Okay, was I wrong? Wasn't there something this year about student-athletes getting money off their name or something? Yes, the NIL, the name image likeness, is going to be a big thing that's coming up. So basically, you know, athletes with a little bit of, uh, you know, kind of a premier, like in a – in a decent school, decent sport, kind of in their area, they can start making money off of their names. So they can be in commercials. They can be, you know, they can have uh, little things on there, maybe Instagram for brands and make money off of them doing that stuff. So instead of the school only like making money off of them, now they're going to be able to make money off themselves. That's actually a really good thing. Yeah, that is great. It's funny because I watched the South Park episode recently about (laughs) the crack baby. Yes, Uh, (laughs) the indentured servants. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) totally just (laughs) spitting right in the fucking face of, uh, of, you know. The NCAA. Well, college (laughs) sports, basically. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so so crazy to think that you can be – making all of this money for a school and then not being able to capitalize on your own name, which they can sell a Jersey with your name on it to the fans and make tons of money, but you don't get a dime from that. It's just insane. But you get tuition, huh? Huh? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I, I saw a documentary on the fab five and they were talking about Chris Weber when he decided to leave him and another guy were walking by the, the, the student union kind of like where uh where the bookstore was and they were selling his jersey in the window and this was back in like the like 80s or 90s and it costed like 70 bucks back then and he just looked at that and said i'm having to beg someone for money for just a hamburger and they're selling my jersey for seven 70 bucks yeah it's fucking insane i'm not sure if it was exactly 70 bucks but it was something like that that is and- a good question why are and like basketball seems like the basketball jerseys like there's not a lot to them but they sell for a lot yeah i think it's just the the fans really want to have them you know kind of a memento for when they played there i guess for college for the pros you want to have the you know the the best you know your favorite player obviously because he's probably going to be there for a few years maybe someone like tom brady you know if you had his jersey the entire time that's like a 15-year deal but I mean, for college, for college, it's kind of like a memory thing. Like, oh, remember when this really good player played here or this other player who went on to the pros and had a great career. Remember when he was a, you know, player at my school. So, right, right. Yeah, it's uh, I think I don't remember if it's hockey or baseball jerseys are the most expensive hockey. Is it hockey? Those things are expensive. They are crazy fucking expensive. Yeah. Yeah. People love them, though. I mean, I will give them. Uh, they are kind of cool. Some of them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They are cool. I mean, it'd be awesome to have uh, the when I lived in Minnesota, I wanted one of those North Stars one. But of course, I had zero dollars. So buying a hundred and thirty dollar jersey was kind of out of it. Yeah. You know, the realm, yeah. So. Yep. Uh, anyway, Phil, speaking of uh college athletics are you ready to get into this week's episode yes i am (laughs) i'm just gonna transition doesn't matter if it makes sense or not (laughs) this week we are going to be delving into a type of event that we haven't covered in some time on sub d an assassination whether there is an attempted assassination of someone who is either famous 
a political or religious figure, questions arise. What exactly are the hitman's driving forces, or is it just simply something like a madman with a gun? Well, that is the question we are going to attempt to figure out when it came to the attempted assassination of one of God's warriors, Pope John Paul II. Now, I think we were kind of young when this happened. Uh, actually, were we even born yet? I don't think so. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's this, uh, I happened to stumble upon this and I didn't realize there's a lot of webs in this here. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of fingers dipping in there. How much do you, have you heard about all of this? Well, of course we all remember JP2 playing power forward for the Notre Dame Fighting Illini <laughs> for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, but yeah, uh, that's the basketball reference where that. Well, came hold from. on, no, but we're going to be talking about the Pope and his athletic ability here early on in the episode. So, oh, okay. uh, you hold gotcha. on to that, but uh, we'll get there when we get there. So, about the, I, go ahead. I was going to say I do remember Pope John Paul uh, being the Pope for a little bit until basically he died, and then uh, the Nazi Benedict took over for a while till he abdicated. Uh, I do remember him being uh, in the popedom, the office, I guess. So, so okay. Are you referring to Pope John Paul II or Pope John Paul I? Pope John Paul II. Okay. I'm, I'm not that old. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> now, we got to remember, he did not die here. Okay? So, yes. we, we just get that out of the way. But, Pope John Paul I, before Pope John Paul II comes into power, is an interesting case as well. But I'm not really going to talk on that one on this episode. But uh, but anyway, are you ready to learn a little bit about Pope John Paul II, Phil? Yeah, let's go. All right. Well, before he was known as Pope John Paul II, he was born on May 18th. 1920 as Karl Josef Wotyla in Warowice, Poland. Polish people, I am sorry we love you, but god <laughs> damn, why do you have such complicated names and town names? Holy shit. Now, his father's name was Karl Wojtyla, uh, who was an ethnic Pole, and his mother was Emilia Karzowska. I don't know, something like that. It's a Lithuanian (laughs) name. You know, Russian names were like Eastern Bloc names, dude. Oof, they are challenging. Yes. Now, Pope John Paul II naturally was raised Catholic, but actually appeared to associate with the Jewish community in Varovis more than his Catholic cohorts as a young man. Pope John Paul II was known to be very athletic and enjoyed playing soccer. He was the goalie. Interestingly, even being a staunch Catholic, uh, Pope John Paul II usually played on the Jewish soccer team. Now, I have a feel, you know, obviously we know Catholics, uh, known anti-Semitics, right, Phil? Yes. Well, I assume all the Catholics were busy, you know, off playing softball doing their little softball tournaments like they all have. So must be his only opportunity to play on the <laughs> soccer team. I just, you know, 
we all know kind of what the Pope looks like. Can you imagine him playing goalie? Oh, my God. <laughs> Just Jesus Christ. Well, you're thinking of him when he was like 90 years old. Yeah. You know, walking yeah. Mother Teresa, you know, down the whatever the aisle or whatnot, whatever they were doing. You're not thinking of a spry, young, you know, uh, Carl. You know, <laughs> Carl Yosef. Challenging the forwards and, you know, grabbing the fucking ball out of the air. So I wonder how many red cards he got. It's <laughs> a shit ton. He has the most red cards in Polish history. For throwing an elbow. <laughs> yeah. That's why he had to pray so much. He wanted forgiveness. Now, this is interesting. It was during uh, the younger years of his life that Pope John Paul had his first serious relationship with a Jewish girl by the name of Ginka Beer. I look, dude. I'm just gonna say, great name for beer. Oh well, apparently it's a name for a beautiful Jewish girl. Uh, Pope John Paul claimed that this is an exact quote from him that she was a Jewish beauty with stupendous eyes and jet jet black hair, slender, a superb actress. I don't know what the last part of that is, but uh, yeah. So I don't know. We can't confirm if. John Paul was a lifelong virgin or not, but he had a girl. He had a girlfriend named Ginka Beer. Yeah, well, it sounds like he thought she was uh, pretty banging. So I don't know. I don't know if he could, you know, keep his hands off of her the way he's talking about her. I I mean, he loved her when he gave that interview talking about her. You know, sounds like he was, you know, thinking back on her. So he was like, I man, I shouldn't I should should have did this whole celibacy (laughs) horse shit. I got to tell you, I love being the Pope, but honestly, I would throw this weird fucking hat on the ground right now if I just had five more minutes with her. If I could spend five more minutes with Ginka Beer. With Ginka Beer. <laughs> what a weird name, though, honestly. Ginka Beer. Yeah, I'm. well, I don't know. I'm sure Ginka is probably, you know, might not be as common as it used to be, but... Having the last name Beer, it's kind of cool. It's just, it's weird because it sounds like a brand of beer, like the name Ginkga Beer. Yeah. Like a f- weird foreign beer that you might have if you travel abroad. It, it kind of reminds me of something you'd see in a gas station, like behind Ooh. the counter that's like improved sexual performance. It's like yes. a little jar of Ginkga Beer. Like some, Definitely. some uh, charlatan horse shit they got behind the counter there. It's got a logo of like a rocket ship on the label, pretty much. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. In 1938, Pope John Paul moved to the town of Krakow, where he would enroll at Jagiellonian University, and he would go on to study philology and the study of languages. Uh, He would learn 13 different languages, which included Polish, Latin, Italian, English, Spanish, Portuguese, French, German, Luxembourgish, Dutch, Ukrainian, Serbo-Croatian, Czech, Slavic, and Esperanto. I I don't know what that last wow. one is. You ever heard of that one? No, I've never heard of that last one. He is uh, quite a linguist, actually. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty fucking, uh, wow. It's impressive. That's like on the level of Cleopatra, of like knowing languages. That's quite a few. Okay, now it mentions that nine of these are required if you're going to be the Pope. So, oh, well, I can see, I can see Spanish, Latin, um, you know, there's 
Italian. Yeah. yeah, it's it's really good to know. So you're saying that every pope needs to know some of these languages? That's... It's said it said that um, nine of them are required if you're going to be the pope. That's what it said. Really? Uh, yeah. Wow. I don't know which nine of them. I'm assume, assuming like German and Luxembourgish is a type of German. Um, obviously, Czech Slavic are probably pretty similar. Uh, yeah, so. well, they're all they all belong to like different uh, families of languages. Like um, there's Italian, uh, Spanish, Portuguese. Those are all like romantic languages. Then there's like English, German, Dutch. Those are all kind of Germanic languages, you know, uh, Czech, Slovak, uh, I don't know, Ukrainian. Those are all kind of Slavic languages. So what do you think Esperanto is? Do you think that's never... like the language of the movie Desperado? I don't know. What is that? <laughs> I have no idea. I've never heard of Esperanto. <laughs> they say... Also, go ahead. Also, I was going to say really quick, we have to mention it. Uh, 1938, not a great time to have a Jewish girlfriend in the town of Krakow. Like, no. Very no. much not a good time. No, I should I know say. We're, I, I know we're going to get into it in a minute, but got to mention it right off the bat. Yeah. It's, we kind of we kind of jumped over it, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, Poland, not great during World <laughs> War II. We'll just say that. No. Um, the other thing is he he moved to Krakow from uh, Varovis. And so he probably left her behind in that other village. Um, Hopefully she got out okay. Yeah, I don't know. He didn't say anything, I'm assuming, so I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, let's learn about what the old uh, – po- oh, one more thing here quick before we get into the Nazis. So apparently now – I know this is kind of common in, like, German and Germany and stuff uh, – Pope John Paul was required to do a compulsory military training in the academic legion. Okay, so I think Germany, you're required to do, what, one or two years of military training. I know there's a lot of those countries that require uh, to serve in some branch of the military, but he did. But apparently the Pope claims he refused to ever fire a gun. I I guess that was an option. So I don't know about, yeah, I, I think at that time Germany would have required it. I don't know if, God, 1938, I'm not sure exactly if Poland would have had any kind of uh, situation like that. They should have because they were sandwiched between two yeah. very not nice countries. Well, so they, okay. had, they had eternal enemies on both sides. So hopefully they had some kind of military plan going. What I'm saying is maybe I was dragging along there, but... Uh... Even to this day, some of those countries have like required military service for every male in the country or whatever. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, it's partly for their military prowess, kind of, the you know, to keep up with the military. It's also like a latent function is it raises nationalism. Uh, that's a, a big part of like how Israel does it, too. Uh, not only do they need it for their military, but it kind of raises like kind of nationalistic, you know, kind of feelings within their people if they yeah. have them go through the military. Right, so, right. Yeah. But anyway, it's it's interesting that even during this time, he apparently was, they were just okay with him refusing to fire a gun. I don't know if yeah. I believe that. Here's the other thing, too, about all this is, you know, obviously the Nazis are about to invade Poland. Um, 
there's probably not a whole lot of witnesses to validate <laughs> what Pope John Paul, his story, you know what I mean? So a lot of this probably straight out of his mouth and we're just taking it at face value. So maybe it he could, changed some stuff. I don't know. It could be one of those tall tale situations, uh, kind of like we were talking about last week or what happens with the Kims in North Korea where you can kind of just make up your own past. Yeah. But yeah, I mean... Refusing to fire a gun when you're at military training, it's kind of hard when they can still beat you for refusing an order. So. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Well, anyway, all right, we'll move on to the dark part here. When Nazi Germany invaded Poland in 1939, they closed down the university and Pope John Paul was forced to join the working class. He would work a bunch of jobs ranging from messenger for a restaurant. Interesting. I didn't even know you needed those. Uh, <laughs> working at a limestone quarry and working at a Solvay chemical factory. Uh, I bet there's a lot of cancer being spread there. Yeah, uh, it's a miracle he lived so long if he uh, worked at a chemical factory. Wait, hold on. Listen to these fucking accidents this dude was in. Uh, during the Nazi occupation and when he was working in these places, the Pope apparently had a few accidents, which included fracturing his skull after being hit by a tram. And, and while he was working at the quarry, he was hit by a lorry, which injured his shoulder. Now, it was that accident. If you ever look really close at pictures of him, you'll notice that one shoulder sits higher than the other and he has a little yes. bit of a hunch. That's because of this accident where the uh, little lorry hit him. And in, for those who don't know, what's a lorry is like a mini semi kind of, right? Yeah, it's like a European truck. Yeah. Um, back back in this time, um, I'm not exactly sure what they would have looked like. Kind of what we were talking about last week, maybe, with what those trucks looked like. Um, basically like a semi. Mm. You would, uh, think of more like what the vehicle that um, a dump truck is made out of. Something more like that. I wouldn't want to get hit by that. No, not at all. Yeah, <laughs> not at all. But it's just funny. It's like, Jesus, dude, how the how do you get so fucked up? Like, you yeah, literally I, have Nazis occupying the country, and somehow he gets hit by a car twice, or hit by a train, and then hit by I, a fucking lorry. He gets hit by, like, some kind of train and a semi. <laughs> yeah. And the, he gets all these in uh, Nazi-occupied Poland. Also, I'm wondering, how many of those languages did you forget after getting that his, fucking fracturing his skull like did he maybe know. forget esperanto was he the last person to wear an esperanto he maybe that's was. why we don't know what it is <laughs> he was the last one and it got knocked out of his memory <laughs> <laughs> jesus oh man now in october of 1942 Pope John Paul discovered an underground seminary being run by the Archbishop of Krakow, and John Paul requested to begin studying for his priesthood. Maybe not the best time to be doing that. Uh, no. Now, he would continue to pursue his priesthood undiscovered by the Gestapo until 1944, when the Gestapo started to round up all the young men in Krakow to stop an, uh, an apparent uprising, Pope John Paul actually escaped capture by hiding in the basement of his uncle's house. Apparently, while, all while the Germans were, he could hear them stomping on the floor above him looking yep. for young men. 
Uh, this event is apparently known as Black Sunday. Um, are you familiar with this at all? I'm not familiar with Black Sunday, but I do know that in 1944 and well, especially 1945, when the when the Ruskies were running through, um, there were a lot of uprisings happening in the wake, like not in the wake, in the like where the where the Russians are about to invade. There's a lot of uprisings kind of to soften up the German occupiers. So they have to be expecting the the people being occupied to like rise up against them once they know the Russians are coming, especially you do not want the Russians to think that you are against them. So basically, you know, do everything you can to differentiate yourself from the Nazis or the German military uh, when, you know, the Russians are coming through. So now um, I'm, I don't know that much about this, but it seemed like, the Nazis would kill anybody who was not practicing their religious beliefs. Am I understanding that correctly? Well, they had no real religious beliefs except for the state. So it was, it was a state situation where kind of, you know, like the, the Reich was everything. So, well, okay. So my understanding is, they might not have told everybody, but like Hitler and like the top guys had that weird occult thing where the Aryans were from another alien species and the Jews were as well. And, you know, all that shit. Yeah. Well, that they, weird I mean, shit. they yeah. had that, but they didn't broadcast that. No, no, no. To the to no. the to the peasantry. No, that was that was simply a for them thing. Kind of that was for the upper class and for them, mostly like a power thing. Yeah. So yeah. So I'm I'm assuming that's why he apparently had to join an underground Catholic network uh to become yes. a priest or whatever. Yeah, they also wanted to really stamp out any form of community too. Anything right, that would right. kind of take it away from them. So really this every like Everyone kind of in an occupied country would just become like, you know, uh, serving the state of Germany. So even if you are Polish in Poland, like that is now part of Germany, the German people like that's their that's the German people's elbow room and they're going to move into your country. It never really happened because they, you know, the Third Reich only lasted for, I think, maybe five years total, maybe six years where they were expanding. But the thing is, if you lived in those countries, you were basically doing everything for the German state. You like the war effort. Yeah. 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 Everything for the war effort, basically. Right. Very true. Well, anyway, after World War Two was over, the Archbishop of Krakow would send John Paul to continue his priesthood in Rome at Pontifical University of St. Thomas Aquinas. Uh, After graduating, he would return to Poland to continue his priesthood, then eventually began working at Jagiellonian uh, University teaching ethics, interesting enough, then began to work at the Catholic University of Lubin. Um, I don't know. Would you go to a Catholic university, Phil? I do not believe so. No, (laughs) I would not go. I didn't even like going to Catholic middle school it would be i couldn't imagine post-puberty going to a catholic school mm. no it wouldn't be good no uh lubin's in germany right 
I've never heard of Lublin. I, I know I've heard of Lubin before. I'm not, or Lublin, you're right. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. And unless it's where they came up with the idea for the sandwich, the famous <laughs> Reuben, then I have heard of it. And I think that their work is great. So. Wait, 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 wait. It's Lublin. Lublin, but it sounds like Reuben. Reuben, okay. Well, Reuben's uh, Irish. I don't. Oh, well, yeah. You know what? A lot of Catholics know. in Ireland, Phil. Maybe I doubt it. Though. There's a lot of kraut. There's a lot of a lot of sauerkraut in a Reuben. So, <laughs> a lot of kraut. And lots of krauts. Uh, yeah. So he, it's it's interesting to me that he didn't necessarily immediately go to to like uh, being a priest in a church. He he worked in these universities almost immediately after graduating in Rome or whatever they call completing your priesthood in Rome. Well, he he does sound like a pretty smart guy. Also, he didn't exactly go to the university solely to become a priest. I mean, going to these universities, you would kind of set you up to become a professor. So it's right, not like he just right. went to a seminary and then immediately, you know, went on his you know, walk as a priest. He kind of went to like a prestigious university, like the most prestigious minus, you know, Notre Dame, of course, and, you know, the fighting Irish to pontifical university. So, which I I mean, really that could set you up to go anywhere, especially after all of the, uh, you know, all of the openings that I'm sure there were in Europe at the time. Good call. I didn't but, even think about that. But, I mean, if he did kind of wait around, then I guess they would have all been filled. But, yeah, going, you know, like, they were they were really, like, after the war, just trying to set shit back up. So. Right, right. I heard he was going to be a tight end for the Fighting Irish, but uh, <laughs> they weren't taking any foreign players at the time, so. That's Sad true. And they, and they heard he had a Jewish girlfriend, so he was pretty much out ah, of the conversation. Yep, yeah, yep, they're letting him in there. No, uh, yeah, just stand a chance. <laughs> All right, we're going to kind of quick fire through the next few uh, events that will lead him to the Pope here. Uh, okay. In 1958, he was appointed the position of Auxiliary Bishop of Krakow. In 1964, he was promoted to Archbishop of Krakow. On June 26, 1967, he was promoted to the College of Cardinals, not the Arizona, where nope. he would <laughs> be named a Cardinal Priest of the Titulus of San Cesaro in Palacio. Um, it's a lot of words there, Phil. I don't know what any of it means, but it, I'm guessing it's important. Yeah, well, the Cardinals are the people who elect the Pope. So it doesn't sound like he was a cardinal necessarily, like at the moment, but um, a cardinal priest. Maybe he was on his way. You must have to go through all this bullshit if you want to be even like remotely well, close to being the pope or being like a nominee to become pope. Well, wait. So he was a bishop, then an archbishop, then promoted to the College of Cardinals. So he was a cardinal. Yeah. He was one of the guys wearing the red suits who who votes in the popes. Okay. Yeah. 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 Obviously, popes don't die that often, usually. So, uh, I don't know. I don't know. What the hell do they do? Because, as we'll learn, he serves a pretty long time. Like, you could live and die as a cardinal without ever getting to vote. No, that is true. Yeah. I mean, it is the highest kind of rank that you can get. 
before you become like if you are the pope you have to have like your you know your shit better be pretty fucking tight if you want to become pope though or you could be like back in the 1400s and like the borgio and just have a lot of money and just love fucking <laughs> love women and wine you know like if you're the borgio I mean, I'm sure the all the popes probably do, and cardinals, but uh, oh, minus yeah. the money part. Now, finally, in 1978, it was time for him to become the pope, which was actually done under some unique circumstances. Now, this is where I was alluding to in the beginning of the episode, because Pope John Paul I had actually became the new pope in August of 1978, but died after only serving as Pope for 33 days. They assume he suffered a heart attack in the middle of the night. But again, this might, we might, I might cover this on a episode in the future because apparently there's some mystery around his death, which is kind of interesting. Um, Old, old Carl might have a little, you know, might've learned some poison while he was learning all those languages. (laughs) Might've learned some old fucking spells and shit. You think he killed him? Well, this is a conspiracy show. True, very true. Very true. Uh, Ten days after the funeral of Pope John Paul I, it was time to elect a new pope. Now, what I think is interesting is, you know, Pope John Paul II wasn't even really an initial nominee. He kind of like did an Obama, where he kind of just like came out of nowhere, if that makes sense. Um, But he was going up against... Uh, a conservative candidate in Giuseppe Siri, the Archbishop of Genoa, and the liberal candidate Giovanni Bellini, Archbishop of Florence. Obviously, two Italian men here. Yeah. Literally spaghetti just falling <laughs> out of all the pockets. We got spaghetti and, <laughs> spaghetti and panini boys over here. Yeah. On October 16th, 1978, Carl Wotilla won his candidacy to become the new pope by 99 votes out of a possible 111. So people really liked him. He officially became pope on October 22nd, 1978, then changed his name to Pope John Paul II, honoring Pope John Paul I, who had just died, and Pope John Paul IV, who apparently was a... Everybody really loved Pope John Paul IV, I guess. So he honored both of those men's names. So you must be able to kind of, like, choose what you want your name to be when you become pope. Or maybe they have, like, a preset... I imagine that you kind of choose your own name or, you know, supposedly God you know, talks to you and he tells you what your name's going to be yeah. or some nonsense like that. Yeah. But I I was listening to kind of like the thing with Giuseppe versus Giovanni, who were like kind of like the leading candidates. And if one was conservative and if one was liberal, sometimes there's a little bit of a compromise because, I mean, 33 days after a new pope, Pope John Paul I, you have he dies. Then all of a sudden it's like, oh shit, we need to scramble to get a new pope out there. You know, we had the plates already made for the last guy and now we can't sell that shit. So maybe <laughs> there was a compromise just to push somebody through. Right. Like, oh fuck. Get uh get Carl in here. Everybody likes Carl. He's kind of a, a middle guy, a centrist, maybe. That's kind of like in my like I I haven't obviously you've done all the research on this. I haven't thought about it. But in my knowledge of kind of like how politics go. Maybe this was kind of just a emergency, 
you know, break glass and hit button in case of, you know, whatnot. Like the ship starts flying. So well, it'd be that situation. Okay. We'll probably be talking more about why they might have elected him. Actually, let me read you this interesting fact about Pope John Paul II and uh, tell me if you can rummage through why they might have elected him. Uh, Pope John Paul II was the first person from a Slavic country to ever become the Pope. He was also the first non-Italian elected in 455 years. Okay, so what does that tell you? Might have, uh, ooh, well, there was a lot of Italian stink after the um, World War II. Maybe it had something to do with that, kind of well, the uh, I think, El Duce situation. I think, I think they were trying to expand their reach by maybe nominating an Eastern Bloc country person as the Pope, and maybe they say the Polish people are like, oh, wow, we got a Polish person as the Pope now. It might attract more Catholics. Um, I don't know. Something like that. But also, when we start talking about the assassination, that's going to come up again. So that's just a a crazy theory of mine. But it seems weird. Almost 500 years. Yeah. And he's the first non-Italian. It's pretty crazy. Bringing it back to what we were talking about before. That's just like the SEC bringing in Texas trying to get their footprint into Texas. Yep. So it's kind of like the Vatican trying to get their footprint into the new Eastern Bloc. See? So, See the transition okay. there all makes sense. He played soccer, and now yes. here there he's basically the Texas trying to join the SEC right here. Yep, exactly. They're yeah. going to have him starting goalie <laughs> for the Cardinal team. That's probably uh, how he won. He was uh, such a good, he was such a good uh, goalie. Well, he did have that fucked up shoulder. I don't know about Honestly, that. though, if they put the Pope and all the old-ass Cardinals and made him play a soccer game every single year, I'd watch that. Um, just oh, like yeah. the old people and see who how many deaths they have on the field. <laughs> from on the pitch. That, yeah, <laughs> from them running back and forth. <laughs> the old fucks. <laughs> oh, yeah. It'd be a very statuesque game of them yeah. all just kind of like kicking it to each other lightly. <laughs> <laughs> it would be great to see a lot of the, uh, the senators in the United States Congress, Ooh. the congressmen and senators, Playing a like a sporting game of uh, soccer, watching them trying to uh, you know try to w- get on the field. I would love to just see fucking Ted Cruz get leveled by somebody else uh, on on the field there. <laughs> somebody just chops him in the back of the leg. <laughs> yeah, that'd be that'd be pretty funny. Now, Pope John Paul the Second would serve as Pope for twenty six years, making him the third longest ever in history, only behind. Pope St. Peter, the very first pope who served 37 years. and Supposedly. <laughs> supposedly. And Pope Pius IX, who served 31 years. So, honestly, I mean, they serve for a long time, uh, but usually they're pretty fucking old by the time they even get elected, honestly. Yeah, so Pope St. Peter would have served 37 years back in the first century AD. So if this, you know, if he yeah. was, yeah. if if there was ever a St. Peter or if there was a church at that time. Well, apparently, so, apparently the, his tomb's supposed to be what? Right under where the Vatican is. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure about that, but 
the uh yeah that would make him like quite old and i don't think people really live that long but you know who knows <laughs> i know nothing about it so i'm just talking out of my ass here it's because you're a fucking atheist phil True, and I've seen a couple documentaries, and you know how smart you become after watching documentaries. Right, right. All right, you ready for the assassination itself? Yes. All right. Now, uh, with all that little back history out of the way of Pope John Paul II, uh, let's get into the brass tacks of why we're here today, the actual assassination. The events all began on a seemingly normal day, on May 13th, 1981, Pope John Paul II had been serving as Pope for about three years at this point and was preparing to do his weekly cruise around St. Peter's uh, Basilica in Vatican City. It was a pro- I Im- Go ahead. I can imagine it's just like Miami Vice where he's, you know, in a cool car. It's the 80s. He's probably got the flowing hair and, and everything. <laughs> he's doing a line of coke off the fucking bald, bald uh, cardinal driver's head while doing he's a going little, there. Yeah, doing a little bump off the uh, the back of the dude's head. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was approximately 4.50 p.m. when the Pope jumped into his white Fiat that looks like a jeep i honestly thought this was a jeep wrangler but it is a fiat it's a fiat known as the pope mobile this is literally what they call it guys now we have to keep in mind as well at this time the fiat did not have the bulletproof dome that we see in the pope's cars today okay we you know we all seen that now the bulletproof a circle thingy that they always have in the car for them Yes. Uh, Now, the Pope would have been driven around the Basilica where thousands of people would be waiting to see Pope John Paul II to either look at him, take a photo of him, or some people were lucky enough to actually touch him. Apparently, this was a great honor. Um, Would you do this, Phil? Would I hang hang around and see him? Yeah. Yeah, I suppose I would. I mean, he's a pretty famous dude. Yeah. Uh, You know, get a picture of him. How about the new pope? The, the the who's the latest pope? Oh, the cool guy, Pope Francis. Yeah, the, he's uh, badass. He's yeah. uh he's, he's the pro gay one and stuff, right? Well, he's the uh yeah, he's the reformer. So, it's you've got uh Francis who's kind of like doing the the reforming, and then you had Pope Benedict who was probably at least a fan of the antichrist if he wasn't one himself. <laughs> so, I don't know if I would wait around to see him. Because, I don't know, I think those eyes might steal your soul. You don't want okay. his eyes looking upon you. Okay. you've seen his eyes. Okay, so let me, correct me if I'm wrong here. So we must have had Pope John Paul II, then Benedict, and then now Francis? Yeah, Pope John Paul II, then it was Benedict. Benedict is actually still alive. Yeah, he, he stepped abdicated. down. He stepped down for the pedophile stuff, right? Yeah, he stepped down for a lot of that stuff. And then um, they basically found... Uh, you know, Pope Francis, and they kind of found like a, the cool guy to kind of come in and like smooth everything over with, you know, everybody. Aliens? Basically, just to, just to, you know, stick his finger in the dam, pretty much. Yeah. Keep he, it from he's bursting. like, he's like, I'm cool with aliens and gays. All right. I'm cool, Pope, he, now. He, he comes out wearing a backwards fucking baseball cap yeah. with his arms crossed. He sits on a chair backwards. <laughs> let me tell you about Jesus. <laughs> hey, guys. Let me tell you about how the church is going to change. All right. We're cool now. Look at me. I'm cool. (laughs) All right. At about 5.19 p.m., 
The Fiat stopped at the southwest side of the Basilica Steps. At that very moment, a flurry of shots rang out. Pope John Paul immediately clutched his abdomen and fell over. His bright white robe soon began to turn bright red with blood. He was shot four times, twice in the abdomen, once in the left arm, and once in the left hand. The Pope was quickly rushed to Jamili Hospital after losing consciousness. At the hospital, they would discover he was shot several times in the abdomen. The bullets perforated his colon and small intestine. He lost three quarts of blood, but no vital arteries were hit. Pope John Paul II later claimed that the Blessed Virgin Mary actually helped keep him alive through the entire ordeal. So, okay, let's give a hands there. He's yeah, got a they, he's got a name drop there. Okay, good yeah. job, sir. So Man, I'm sure it, I'm sure it didn't have anything to do with the doctors. It was all nope. just the Virgin Mary. <laughs> just as like he's probably giving a press conference with the doctors behind him. He just we want to thank the Virgin Mary, everybody, right? Didn't she do a good job? And uh, he just looks back like, what are you assholes doing here? Uh, he wouldn't have done that. He's a nice guy. Yeah, but. He, he he honestly he, he definitely was involved with the not like. I'm not saying he was the pedophile, but he was the one who was there right when that shit all started. So starting the when the cover ups started yeah. and the well, I not started, but yeah, when when uh when all the priests were being shuffled around, all the pedo priests were being shuffled around and uh that's you know, they were trying to silence all these victims. But yeah, yeah. I will I will say really quick, you said he was that it perforated his colon and his lower intestines. That sounds like it's one of those situations where you're pooping in a bag from now on after that. <laughs> well, it's, not necessarily because they can stitch it up. Yeah, they can. But I mean, like back then, like, yeah, you know 81? what I mean? Like, eh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Um, Maybe they could have saved it. But yeah, that sounds like a not good uh, place to get hit. Or they could have removed a chunk of his colon, too, uh, or intestine. They can do that. Possibly uh, sewed it all back together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. People get something called uh, diverticulitis. Do you know what that is? Yes, Brock Lesnar has that. Does he really? Yes, Holy he does. shit. Uh, so my understanding is people who have it usually have to get sections removed. So basically yeah, he... after you eat, you have to shit. <laughs> like two set, you know, like five minutes later. I do believe that Brock Lesnar may have had se- like parts of his small intestines uh, removed and had yeah. the whole thing kind of sewn back together again. Yeah, but I I believe it's when your small intestines start to die, like they won't move food through them, so they start to atrophy. Is that kind of how it goes? Well, <clears throat> so it it'd be like your it does turn into that, but essentially the causes. Is because your colon, how it's supposed to be smooth, going there, it starts getting like pockets, and oh, okay. then food, or and then poop, or whatever, will get stuck in those pockets and then won't move out, and then it'll start rotting. Oh, okay. And you gotcha. get so many of them that the only thing to do is to remove your intestine. Oh, okay, that's. So it'd be like it'd be like yeah, a little. <laughs> I had little holes all over and uh, and uh, fecal matter gets stuck in them. Not good. No, not good. I don't know exactly how to stop from getting that, but maybe, you know, just eat a salad 
you know, it can't. I, I, honest, I honestly don't think you can prevent it. I think it's just <laughs> random. Honestly, it's just going to hit you. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's just random. But anyway, um, after the shooting, the culprit was actually immediately apprehended. A man by the name of Mehmet Ali Adka had fired a Browning semi-automatic 9mm pistol at the Pope. As he was fleeing the scene, he was actually taken down by a nun. And then several other bystanders uh, helped tackle his ass. You do not want to be taken down by a nun. She guaranteed... She beat him half to death. He probably yeah. wished it. He was probably begging for the police <laughs> to come arrest him. After that, you shot the Pope. She probably beat you with her hands until you were a bloody I wouldn't mess. doubt if he got a tombstone pile driver on the concrete, honestly. May have. Yeah. That would have been, yeah. Oh, by a nun? Definitely. It's 70 years of sexual frustration, and <laughs> now she just <laughs> fucked this guy up. Oof. Anyway... Now, I had to be a kindergartner teacher for 40 fucking years, just <laughs> wailing on him, taking it all out. Yeah, that's perfect. Now, Adko was arrested, and while in custody, he continued to say, quote, he couldn't care less about life. In his pocket, they found a little letter that read, I, Adka, have killed the Pope so that the world may know of the thousands of victims of imperialism. Now... The real question on everyone's mind after his arrest was, who the fuck is this guy, and why exactly did he want to kill the Pope? Now, was just hearing the little letter that they found on him, obviously he didn't accomplish his mission here, No. but what do you think his motive is at this point? Uh, Well, from, geez, imperialism, maybe he's from what's considered like uh a third world country and you know the catholic church has really been kind of fucking around with those countries you know out there trading bibles for food kind of deal <laughs> you know like well if you want the food you got to take the bible too so maybe he was fucking with one of those you know well maybe he was from that country well let's get into him and you will probably know more about the this country than I do, so you can uh, speak to it when you hear it here. Okay. Uh they would eventually come to discover that Adka was an ex heroin smuggler from Turkey. Sometime in the late nineteen seventies, Adka had joined the Turkish neo fascist nationalist terror terrorist organization known as Grey Wolves. Yeah, they need a nickname. That's a that's a mouthful. <laughs> the Turkish neo-fascist nationalist terrorist organization. Woo! Holy shit! Yeah, they need to they need to shorten that. <laughs> I mean, you can't even put that on a fucking T-shirt. No, couldn't put that no. on a fucking DQ birthday cake, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, well, they're gonna charge you extra. They're like, welcome, Adka. Welcome to the Turkish Neo-Fascist Nationalist Turkish Organization. Welcome, Adya. <laughs> now, this organization allegedly had financial backing from the Turkish Mafia. I don't know that much about the Turkish Mafia. I just assume there's a mafia in every single country in the world. Counter count, Counterfeit rugs, I imagine. Definitely. <laughs> there you go. Uh, the ultimate goal of the Grey Wolves was to unite Turkish people to create a more powerful Turkey. 
it's a very bland mission statement, and I don't really know what exactly they're trying to do, but they're trying to do something. Yeah. So um, I know that basically, what was it? Uh, Ottoman Empire was dissolved back after World War One. Um, kind of Britain really took over Turkey. I'm, I think I might be thinking of Iran, but I'm pretty sure Britain took over Turkey and then they kind of gave it back after like maybe the 60s. So anytime uh, Britain leaves a country, they always leave it in shambles. Mm. So I'm guessing maybe Turkey was in shambles after Britain left. If it was Britain, Britain or France, one of those two. Um, Yeah, so I'm not exactly sure. But I mean, for like a neo-fascist nationalist terrorist organization to crop up, I'm guessing they're, you know, kind of their whatever building blocks to their country maybe weren't formed very well, but... Now, here here's the interesting thing, and you brought up a good point, is that he should be mad at Russia, or this... Or, I'm sorry, he should be mad at Britain, and they are mad, technically, at Britain, but why, why the Pope? Yeah, I don't exactly know mm. why the Pope. Mm-hmm. I'm not... I mean... The, see, it, this is it, where it gets finicky, right here. Um, that's... That's the thing is when you're when you're trying to make a big statement, you need a big kind of target. You know right. what I mean? So maybe it was that situation. You think maybe he'd go after more of a like a Turkish politician to kind of get Turkish eyes. But I mean, you could get worldwide attention. You know, if he would have killed him, his name would be very big. We would have already like Sirhan Sirhan. We yeah. can say that name. Yeah. No problem. Yep. Because we know he killed, you know, a a presidential nominee, someone who may have, you know, Bobby, someone who may have became president. If you, if, if Bobby Kennedy had lived and became president, Sirhan Sirhan would be a footnote and we would have a hard time saying his name too. Right. Right. Well, um, this, let me keep going on him, this guy here, because like I said, this story gets really kind of interesting. Um, no, ironically, the attempted assassination of the Pope was not Adka's first assassination. In okay. 1979, newspaper editor Abdi Ipka, Ipski or something like that, apologize, sir, uh, had written an article about far-right groups forming in Turkey in which he mentioned the Grey Wolves. The leader of the Grey Wolves sent Adka to kill this man, and he actually did. Uh, Adka was okay. ar- Adka was arrested and convicted for the murder of Abdi, uh, but Adka eventually, now this is quoting here, escaped from a high security prison by wearing a prison guard's uniform and literally walking out the front door, which <laughs> somewhat leads people to believe that Adka might have actually had help from a powerful ally to get him out of this prison. And even though Adka remained heavily wanted by Interpol and literally his picture had been distributed everywhere, he remained uncaptured all the way up until he shot the Pope. So this is kind of the first point of contention. Like, he literally killed a guy... He was in a high security prison. How did he just walk out the front door? I'm guessing it has to do with the rug mafia, with the uh, the Turkish mafia Could out be. there. 
Um, I mean, he probably also has friends being an ex-heroin smuggler. Um, you know, probably got some connections. Maybe people don't want him, you know, on the inside where he can talk. So you, you know, either kill him or get him the fuck out. Also, if you have powerful friends like that, you probably also could be hidden pretty easily. See, I would imagine. Now wait till so. wait till we get to the two prime suspects who could be helping him out. You probably will, because it 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 will kind of get into I think your expertise. So we'll get okay. to that point, and then um, we'll uh, I'll let you I, speak to it. I also have a little conspiracy theory that's forming in my head. Okay, of, uh, he's possibly a Manchurian candidate. Very could be. Uh, you save that theory. We'll talk about it. Now, after Adka was arrested for the attempted assassination of Pope John Paul II, he would be sentenced to serve a life imprisonment. An interesting thing happened, though, in 1983. After the Pope was completely healed up, he actually went out of his way to visit Adka in prison. The two men would speak for 20 minutes in private, after which the Pope would tell everyone, this is his exact quote, what we talked about will have to remain a secret between him and I. I spoke to him as a brother whom I have pardoned and who has my complete trust. So this is another interesting thing. Adka will never, ever, 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 ever admit to why he did this, but he must have told the Pope why he attempted to kill him, but the Pope will never reveal his secret. So, well, this is interesting. One of the things is, if it was like a moment of confession, then obviously the Pope, being a priest of a holy man, like at a Catholic priest, Couldn't. cannot give up the information gotcha. that he took from Adka. So if it was a confession situation, then he is bound by, especially the fucking Pope, He's bound by the cloth to to not uh, say anything to, to keep that secret. Yeah. Do you think so, that's Do you think that's a rule? If that guy tried to kill you, well, I mean, if you're the <laughs> if you're the fucking pope, you have to be you know better than most people. Obviously, if that guy tried to kill me and I went to visit him in prison, I would spend twenty minutes talking shit about how he failed. That's all I would do. I would just talk shit. I would show him all my scars and be like, "You want to see where you missed my heart?" Look at that. One, two, three, four times. You missed my heart. You missed my head. You know, you fucking, you know, you fucked up. I'm sorry. You know, your shit's weak. You know, you came after the king. It didn't happen. That's what I would, <laughs> if I was the Pope, I would say that shit. He had but, the ultimate bulletproof vest in the Virgin Mary, apparently. Yeah. Well, the ultimate nurse <laughs> and, the, and the, and that nun enforcer, I would ask him yeah. how he liked the, uh, the palms to the face <laughs> from that nun. <laughs> Got if his you, ass kicked dude, by an old lady. Dude, Atka's actually like a really skinny guy, too. I bet I that imagine. nun fucked him up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Some heavy set older woman in a penguin outfit just beating the fuck out of him. That'd be <laughs> he great. He rolls up her sleeves and it's just <laughs> veins popping out of everywhere. There's track marks <laughs> everywhere from all the roids. <laughs> Uh, okay. She said she says something corny like fucking Chuck Norris halfway through beating his ass, then continues. It'd be great. They had to beg her not to break his back. <laughs> um, but anyway, okay. So so let's start digging into the web of conspiracies here. Um, now, some people, I'll actually say a lot of people, believe that there is a direct link between Adka, the shooting of the Pope, and... Russia. Okay. 
So mm. one of the first things that set off people into wondering if Russia was somehow involved was Adka, while in custody, would claim that he was a member of the Mar- Marxist Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine. Okay, he's a very pro-Palestine guy, and obviously, I, I, I don't know if at the still, but at the time, Russia was uh, directly connected with Palestine, correct? Yeah, so he's a Marxist and a fascist. <laughs> Phil, I don't know. He that, just wants to belong. <laughs> he just wants to belong to something. Yeah, he's a he's a man of many nations, I think. Yeah, but yeah, I can under. Um, yeah, the cause of this would have been. Uh, oh, actually, this would have been a long time after, like seven years war. It would have been um, Palestine and Israel. That that's been heating up and cooling down for you know ever since the like 40s and 50s so yeah i can imagine just joining anything um was did it say if he was uh like was he muslim did he belong to islam is that his yeah yeah religious okay yeah so um just because you're from turkey doesn't mean necessarily you're you're muslim but i'm guessing that yeah it's i mean he's kind of it kind of feels like he's one of those chicks in high school who just kind of joins every group hoping she can find <laughs> friends. You know what I mean? Like, I don't mean to sound like a mean person, but for the chicks out there who do that, but it, it kind of sounds like that situation for like this just guy. Looking, yeah. It's for this guy. Just looking for a home, just looking for, you know, somebody to, you know, like just hang out with somebody who likes them. So, and I mean, think about it too. They knew he was such a, like, such a loyal little puppy for him that they had him go shoot just some guy who talks shit about him. Yeah. Like, oh, we got to do something. Who are we going to send to send a message? Dude, honestly. Adka. He'll do whatever we want. Adka. Honestly, though, I don't even think that editor was talking shit. I think he just wrote an article about him. <laughs> just, like, honestly. Just, yeah. Well, I mean, of course, like, that's the thing is they don't want people writing anything about him. Like, and it's a scare tactic, too. It, it you know, keeps other people from writing. It's just like when uh, some newspaper puts a picture of Muhammad in their, you know, newspaper or magazine. They, you know, like if someone goes and attacks them, it shuts up anyone else who does it, you know, next. So like this situation, kind of the same thing where it's going to shut anyone else up doing it later on. You know, it kind of reminds me, I'm just kind of speculating on this guy because obviously I just kind of like, you know, doing this sometimes. It reminds me of that movie Alpha Dog where kind of like the friend who owed everybody money and he owed Johnny money and he would do anything for Johnny. You know, he kind of like, they wanted, uh, Johnny wanted him to kill the kid and he did it. He went out and, you know, buried him out in the mountains and shit. Kind of reminds me of that where you just have this guy who is just trying to belong and he's doing all of this shit for this group. You know, I have no idea how much he actually believes in any of this because if he's joining a fascist group and a Marxist group, which are kind of like diametrically like opposed to each other, it's it's a little weird. But I mean, when you're basically just a group, just calling yourself whatever, just for pop, maybe the fascist and the Marxist things aren't quite, you know. Okay. Now. Quite that important. Now, keep this in mind. We're pretty sure this guy's a liar. Okay. Number one. Okay. So. so while he was a supporter of Palestine, it doesn't necessarily mean <laughs> he was officially in this group. 
that operated okay. within Palestine, but he claims that he is. Now, this is, we only mention that because this is kind of, I think, where the connection started between them associating him with Russia. Now, okay. here's where they believe uh, the whole thing kind of happened, and there there is a little interesting proof from it all. They think that because Pope John Paul II was Polish, correct, he yeah. was really opposed to communist regimes, and they believe that because when he was elected pope, it was undermining the Catholic community that, or no, how was it? It was undermining the Soviet-controlled Poland at the time, and it was kind of... Uh, the Catholic community there was listening to the Pope and not listening to the Soviet government. Okay. Okay. Now, here's where there's interesting proof. This is a real letter. What I'm about to read you here is a real letter that was sent to the Soviet school teachers in Poland from the KGB director, Yuri Andropov. Um, let me read this here. This is interesting. It goes... The Pope is our enemy. Due to his uncommon skills and great sense of humor, he is dangerous because he charms everyone, especially journalists. Besides, he goes for cheap gestures in his relation with the crowd. For instance, he puts on a Highlander's hat, shakes all hands, kisses children, etc. It is modeled on American presidential campaigns. Because of the activities of the church in Poland, our activities designed to atheize the youth not only cannot diminish, but must intensely develop. In this respect, all means are allowed and we cannot afford sediments. So what is that? It makes you wonder, why is the KGB sending that letter to school teachers there after the Pope is elected? I think it's kind of, well, so... They mentioned um, atheized youth at the end of the letter. And if they sent it to school teachers, that's kind of that's going to be part of the machine that kind of takes people away from whatever religion yeah. or church they are and kind of brings them to uh, like this whole movement of the government is your God type situation. So I can see. And yeah, he. I mean, obviously, anyone, you know, who's charming and has a sense of humor is going to be a threat to, you know, the Russians because they didn't have really that guy. They were running off the backs of like Stalin 30 years before this. And Gorbachev was actually kind of a personable person, I think. But he was a, he was in the 80s. But yeah, it's one of those. Yeah, it's one of those deals where I can see how really a pope from Poland uh, an Easter block country kind of takes down a peg. Um, this whole idea of the Soviet government as your religion and brings in like, you've got something to be proud of because, you know, not only is the Pope from, you know, Poland, he's a guy who kind of got out and, you know, something like that. I can see that. Well, yeah. It, the basic tenant here of the belief is that, um, Russia hated the Pope because obviously when they were controlling Poland, he was Polish. He didn't want an up. They didn't want an uprising of Catholic people. But again, the obviously the Vatican and the Catholic church hates communists because 
they want to be the religion. They don't want state-sponsored atheism as their religion. Do you know what I'm saying? So Definitely. They're taking money out of the pan. Right. Definitely. Right. Yeah. Now, this is where it gets even more interesting because ADCA would claim that prior to the shooting, he was offered three million German marks to kill the Pope from a Bulgarian man named Sergei Antonov, uh, who Sergei would ultimately be arrested, but he was found not guilty. But it left a lot of people wondering if Russia used this Bulgarian man as a intermediary to pay Adka and assisted him in escaping from prison and hiding him until he could get, you know, shoot the Pope or whatever. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Kind of like, yeah, I can see that kind of like a incubator, you know, you know, got this guy, he's their mark. And basically he's a loaded gun and they sent him after the Pope kind of situation. I can see that. how, How involved was Russia with Turkey during that time? Um, Jesus. Well, the, they're very close together. They're really, um, so during the sixties, one of the, one of the things that the United States gave up was nuclear missiles in Turkey. That's kind of like the, the last bit of knowledge I have of the Soviet union and Turkey being involved with each other is that situation. But I do know that Turkey, at least in the sixties and maybe the seventies was an ally of the United States. I don't really know how far forward that relation kind of went, especially after the Soviet Union. Um, Yeah, I'm not really sure. I do know that they were, you know, uh, they at least were cordial enough for the United States to put nuclear missiles. But that also could have been when uh, Turkey was not quite yet like a really a developed country of their own yet. So I have no idea. Okay. All right. What that situation is. Not as much as I know about like Iran. So. So now um, after the Italians started pointing the fingers at the Bulgarian secret services and the KGB, the KGB and the Bulgarians started turning it and claimed that it wasn't them. It was actually the Italian secret service and the CIA and NATO that staged this entire shooting to make it look like this is to make communism look bad. That's what they okay. are claiming. So I don't, I guess as I would call a false flag. I don't really know, but um, so I don't know. It's like, the, you know, obviously the cold war was kind of going on right now. So it's like, they're blaming Russia for hiring this guy to shoot the Pope, but Russia saying no, the U.S. or whatever hired this guy to make it look like it was our fault. So it seems like Cold War activity. What do you what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, from all of this, it kind of is starting to sound like that guy was set up as a patsy. That's what I'm kinda. saying. But yeah. from who? But yeah, that's exactly. Um, it's, I I would imagine if the Bulgarian secret services and the KGB were being, you know, kind of had their fingers pointed at them first. And then they just said, no, 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 no. It's uh, it's you guys. It's a false flag. It's one of those, situ- you know, yeah. it's like, well, who's got more <laughs> like realistically who did this? You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't. Well, see, this, it, this makes. And 
Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, too, and the KGB guy who sent that letter was saying that the Pope is the most dangerous piece on the board. Why would the Italian Secret Service and the CIA want to get rid of their most important piece? Why would they sacrifice that piece if he was so important? So, you know, the KGB, unless they were setting him up ultimately to take the fall or ultimately to be taken out and have this other guy take the fall for it. So You know what? I totally forgot. Maybe this is probably important, but um, the Pope did a pilgrimage to Poland. I forgot that as well. So maybe okay. the, maybe they thought, saw that as a huge threat as well. Um, so I don't know. It, it, to me, it's just like the KGB and whoever Russia can hire probably could easily help this guy get out of prison, I'm assuming. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's who knows? I mean, <laughs> yeah, it, you're you're throwing a lot of elements in here now. And all of these groups probably would have been powerful enough to help get him out of prison, you know, yeah. pay off the right people, have a escape route planned out for him. I mean, it's not going to be that hard to really just like what basically what he did was he wore that's it's it's almost like it would be bad if it was in a movie. He just kind of threw on a <laughs> uniform of the guard and walked out the door. You know, one of those situations. So Yeah, you would assume there would have been a little bit more uh they would have paid a little bit more attention yeah. to uh <laughs> to the, I don't know. It just seems really suspicious to me, but <laughs> I don't know. It reminded me of the movie Idiot idiocracy when yeah. uh, the guy just says no no i'm i'm supposed to be getting out today I'm, i was already here the fat dude sat on my head yeah kind of <laughs> reminds me of that he just walks out now the the other thing that's hard about this is adka like like i said he tells a lot of lies he kind of is throwing whatever he can at the wall mm-hmm. to see what can stick um he actually like like you mentioned with britain and turkey he in prison. He actually said his first target was to kill the Queen of England, not the Pope. Um, okay, but he didn't go through a, through with it because he claimed he refuses to kill women. Okay, according to him, according to him, I don't, I don't know. Um, so again, he could just be throwing shit at the wall. I don't know. I bet he changed his mind after that nun beat the fuck out of him. Maybe. <laughs> like, I wish I would have killed her. <laughs> Probably, honestly. I walk with a limp now. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me finish off this here, and then I'll get your opinion. Uh, okay. So, in the end, Pope John Paul II, he visited Adka, as we talked about, and forgave him for trying to kill him. In 2010, the president of I- Italy, uh, because of all of that, would grant Adka clemency. Now, Pope John Paul II would pass away on April 2nd, 2005, and in 2014, after Adka had been out of jail for a few years, he actually went to the grave site of Pope John Paul II and placed flowers on it. He was quickly arrested after that because he wasn't supposed to be in Italy. Um, But in the end, Adka is literally still alive today. They believe he's living in Turkey, but nobody really knows where his real location is. So he's out there right now. He's alive and well. He's perfectly fine. Um, what do you What do you think? Do you think this guy 
I, I don't know. Do you think one of the countries is involved or do you think this guy acted on his own? Was he in one of these radical groups? What do you think? Well, there's oof, there's a couple different things. So I'm not sure if Italy is one of the countries, but I know that there are some European countries that don't actually like to keep people who are convicted of murder in prison for if they're in prison for life. They kind of like to let them go. Um, I don't know if it's just the Pope John Paul II thing or, you know, what, like, granting him clemency. Also, it was five years after Pope John Paul II died. So maybe they thought, well, you know, he's not going to try to hurt him again, obviously, if he's well, it was, dead. It was, yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry, yeah, yeah, five years. Five years. So I would, oh, geez, there's a lot. Um, it's one of those things where you kind of wonder, like, you mentioned something about Pope John Paul II maybe finding out why he was killed and then kind of, you know, forgiving him and, you know, keeping his mouth shut about it. But I wonder how much, because really in the 80s, I think Poland fell like quickly after that, like not too long after that assassination attempt, the entire Soviet bloc was falling down like dominoes. Yep. Yep. They talked about that. Yeah, so it's kind of one of those things where, like, if if Poland and Bulgaria and all of these other Soviet states, Soviet secret services, KGB even would would fold after not too long. Um, it's one of those situations where I wonder if he kind of was running out of people to blame, you know? Oh, oh, Adka. Yeah, Adka. Um, but I mean, he was probably happy just to get out of prison. Yeah. I so. mean, he he was in there for quite a while. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm 30. Yeah, 30 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About uh, 30 years. Yeah. Oof, it's a long time. But, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, the thing is, is like... <laughs> Especially Rush, eating fettuccine Alfredo every day <laughs> for every single meal. We all love our pasta, but goddamn, it will get tiring after a while. The thing Definitely. is, is like Russia, even today, you know assassinations not out of the question um and i imagine back then probably even more likely to do assassinations so i don't know it just maybe it's this is what is an occam's razor where it's just this guy was just a crazy man who thought he could i don't know what the hell he was trying to accomplish honestly he won't really tell anybody but uh but yeah i don't i don't know it just seems like a weird string of events yeah, I'm not exactly sure what the the KGB from what I've from everything that I've heard about their assassination attempts, it's usually some kind of poison or radiation poisoning, some kind of it's not a it's it's not a drive-by, it's not a shooting, it's not an assassination. It's always clean. You know what I mean? Like kind of how they did it. In so the I don't 80s really even I'm pretty sure the KGB, because that's kind of what Putin came out of, was the KGB. So, well, not exactly the, you know, the government secret service type deal. But yeah, it was KGB training. But I would say that's not really their their thing, KGB, from what I've heard, what I've studied kind of deal. It's not their, uh, not their method is just, you know, taking a gun and shooting someone. So well, like you said, a Manchurian candidate. Uh, but yeah, that would be the best way to make it seem like it wasn't them. Is if they say we know you sent someone to kill him, and then they could go back and be like, "Well, 
that's not really our bag, you know. Well, like, yeah, it's but, so it's so dirty. It's so n- unlike how they do things. So, so so they would have like what two degrees of separation between them and the shooter. Uh, the belief is that the KGB paid the Sergei guy who hired offered this Atka guy three million German marks to do the shooting. So they're like have a bit of separation between them. Yeah, um, I could. That's a that's a good point. And you know, just like in the movies, you you know always get out of town guys to do the the wet yeah. work. So about, okay, obviously you've talked about the CIA had in previous episodes, and they do some sketchy shit. We'll we'll just say that. Um, would they do this as in an attempt to make to blame communism? I don't know. It's in an attempt to blame communism. I ooh, not in the during the Reagan years. Um, I would I would have no idea. I would have to really think about something like that. Maybe during yeah. the sixties. During yeah. the sixties, I bet like they would. Th- at least there's an idea on a napkin written out for something like this. But during the eighties, it just things were calming down. Everything was kind of. Uh, Really, it was more, you know, money behind the scenes with, you know, kind of like uh, the drugs for money for guns and, you know, funding the Afghanistan, you know, rebels and all that stuff. So I don't really know about direct, you know, missions like this. The, it's, the, I don't know it's if not it's not really their bag either. It, it, I don't know if it's important, but they mentioned that they've never figured out how he got that gun or where he got that gun from that he shot him with either. Um, I, I, I'm assuming that's not, uh, specific to any country. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think Browning is, uh, American, isn't it? I, is that an American I would assume gun so. Yeah. I would assume so. Yeah. It's maybe, well, I mean, if you're a believer in the KGB theory that, they did it to frame the CIA. Maybe that's one of the things. How did he get an American gun? You know, yeah, like escaping know. from escaping from uh, what was it? The Turkish prison and, you know, getting to Italy. How did he get an American gun? But who knows? It's yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Very strange. It's a it's a very uh, this is one of the few times I feel like on the show where I think something strange happened and we really don't have any clue to the truth of it um obviously this guy knows adka knows and i think the pope knew but obviously he's long dead now um so yeah. he took that to the grave but we really don't know uh it's a, it, the whole thing's just weird just weird i think um the whole thing especially since he won't talk about it maybe he was afraid of somebody i don't know i don't really know yeah well i mean you you mentioned before like occam's razor you just kind of, you know, the most likely thing. Right. So Could it's be. very likely, it's very likely that he was maybe, you know, you said he lied a lot. Maybe he had some mental, mental problems possibly. Very, very and possible. he just kind of had this like grandiose, you know, uh, sense of self wanted to go after this huge target. Yeah. Didn't, you know, didn't actually succeed. Ended up spending the rest of his, well, spending most of the rest of his life in prison. He's actually out now. I just remember that. But yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. It's, 
And it really got, he was such an important figure. He got the KGB and the CIA tied up in it too. And their proxies, the Bulgarian secret service and the Italian secret service. Yeah. So, yep. It's interesting. It is interesting. And it is confirmed, you know, that uh, the Italian government did try to bring up charges against the KGB in Russia over this thing. So oh, good luck. I'm sure they'd show up and show right yeah, up the court. I doubt it. But uh, anyway, anybody want to uh, let us know their feelings on the case here? Where can they do that, Phil? They can hit us up on our email, subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we love hearing from you guys. It's always great. Uh, you know, episode ideas, just you know, tell us that you enjoy the show, that you're binging it, that you listen to it while you're at work. It's we love to hear everything. Uh, thanks for all the emails. Probably an even easier way to get a hold of us though on Instagram, Subliminal Deception Podcast on IG. Uh, same thing. Love to hear from you guys. Uh, all the likes, all of the you know comments, they're great. Keep them coming. Uh, Cody and I both have our own Instagram accounts. Mine is sdpodphil. Uh, I, I try to check it as often as I can. If you sent me something and I haven't sent you anything back, sorry, I may have missed it. Cody, you got one? Yeah, you can follow my personal Instagram at Cody'sAbub. Uh Follow me on there, and uh, I post memes and stuff sometimes. Uh, otherwise, the last thing we need you guys to do is to log on to iTunes, leave a show a five-star review. It doesn't really matter what you say. You could put the name of your favorite Pope in there. Just make sure it's five stars. Uh, the, or if you're a Spotify user, you just hit that follow button, and it is apparently like an iTunes review and helps shoot up, shoot us up the uh, rankings there. So thank you to everybody who has done that. I hope you guys all enjoyed a little... Uh, weird assassination attempt from one of uh, God's children there. Uh, All right. Well, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks, guys.